So, uh, so this week, this week as I was kind of getting ready for uh, the message tonight, I came across an article on the internet that literally blew my mind. Uh, it was, it cracked me up and it blew my mind and it really ties in well with where we're going this week. So check out this article. I put it off the internet, so of course it's true. Uh, this is from January uh, in Seattle, Washington. It says, a woman in Washington state was arrested and charged with a DUI and reckless endangerment for driving on the wrong side of the interstate. Wait for it. For 18 miles. The woman hit speeds of over 100 miles an hour during the trip. The state patrol troopers tried their sirens, spotlights, and even the PA system on their patrol cars, but nothing seemed to capture the attention of the driver who was careening north on Interstate 5 in the wrong direction early Wednesday morning. One trooper raced alongside the car on the northbound lanes of the freeway, trying to alert the driver that she was heading toward potential disaster. Others tried to deploy spike strips, but were initially unsuccessful because the driver was all over the place using all the lanes. Cars in the southbound lanes flashed their high beams at the oncoming car, trying to warn the driver. Some narrowly avoided head-on collisions. Finally, after the wrong way driver covered nearly 18 miles at speeds of 100 miles an hour, troopers were able to stop the white Lincoln LS by using spike strips to flatten the tires. They found the driver, a 60-year-old woman, was intoxicated, confused, and had no idea what was going on. Amazingly, this happened without any injuries or accidents. Unbelievable. Insert whatever joke you want about women drivers and old ladies driving and all that kind of stuff. And actually, it's not really all that funny because you know, driving while you're intoxicated is not cool. Um, and thankfully, no one, was, no one was hurt in the process. But I read that, that story this week, and I thought, man, that ties in perfectly with, with kind of the direction that we're heading tonight. Because often in life, you and I can get into situations that lead us to a place that we never thought possible. We can easily get turned around, we can get lost, we can get frustrated, and we can completely screw up our life. For some of us in this room tonight, we're on the wrong path. We're heading in the wrong direction. And if we don't turn around, we're headed toward destruction that we're not ready for. Now, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about all of us in the room being on one of two paths. All right, so let's take a look at what Jesus has to say tonight in Matthew chapter 7. Start in verse 13, if you've got your Bibles. Here's what he says. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, just these couple of verses, Jesus paints an, an incredible difference between two paths. All right, and he says, all of us in life, we are headed, we are on two, one of two paths. Either we're on the path that leads to destruction, or we're on the path that leads to life. For every single one of us in this room, myself, leaders, students, everybody, all of us, we are on one of two paths. 
according to this passage, there are way more people that are on the road to destruction than there are on the road that leads to life. Now, I know that this is church, and a lot of you guys come every single week. But I think we've got to understand that there are probably a, a lot of people in this room tonight that are on the wrong road. There are some of us in the room tonight that our life, we are living our life, and we are headed towards destruction. And we may try to ignore it or downplay it or make it not a big deal or whatever, but the reality is the same. Some of us and many of us in the room are headed towards a path that we have no intent of going down. Now before we kind of dive in a little bit about what that looks like and all that kind of stuff, I think it's important for us to take a step back and kind of talk through how do we get on this road in the first place. Now for some of us in this room, this is going to be very foundational, we know this, but we can't move forward until all of us come to the, the same understanding and, and the reality of where this starts and how we get on this road in the first place. The Bible says that all of us are born into sin. All right? Every single one of us are born in this world as part of our human nature. We are born into sin. From the moment that we enter into the world because of our sin nature... We are headed towards destruction. We are on the road and the path that leads to destruction. All right, now that's the reality. That's something that we all have to come to grips with and understand that from the minute we're born, before we poop our diaper the first time, we're on the road that leads to destruction. All right, that's the reality of where we are. That's how we start out. Because of our sin, our wickedness, the evil, the sin that's in our life, we are on that road. And Jesus says here that the end result is death. Now, we cannot afford to ignore that tonight. Maybe some of you guys, you come in the room and you just kind of learn to tune out during this, this section of the evening or whatever. We cannot afford to ignore this tonight. We've got to understand the road that we're on and where it leads to. Now, that's the first realization that we've got to come to, all right? All of us are born into sin. We're not good enough. All right? We're not good people. We are all born wicked and sinful and evil. All right? That may seem harsh, but that's where all of us start. All right? And I'm in that boat, and everybody that's on the face of the planet is on that same road. We are born into sin, and our sin separates us from a holy God. We are on the road that leads to destruction. Now, once we come to that understanding, I don't know how you guys are, but a lot of us, we automatically try to fix it. And boy, do we fix it. I mean, we, we try to do all kinds of things that we can do to say, all right, this is the direction my life is headed. What can I do to fix this problem? And we do all kinds of things. Maybe we look at relationships, and we try to fix it through a relationship with a guy or a girl. And we feel like, man, if I just had this boyfriend or girlfriend, or if I just had this relationship, it would make my life so much happier, and it would change the, the course of my life, and I'd be more successful and happy, and I'd be in a better place. And so we feel like we push all of our effort and energy and our focus into relationships because we feel like that's the answer. Maybe 
Maybe we've got a gift or a talent or some kind of ability, and so we pour all of our focus into that, and we feel like we can fix it by doing the things that we're good at. Those things that come naturally to us, we focus all of our time and energy, and we feel like that's going to fix it. That's going to better our life. That's going to improve our situation. That that's going to somehow get us out of the mess that we're in. Maybe we try to fix it by denying it. Maybe we downplay and we go, no, that's not really true. Man, I'm all right. I'm in a good place. Man, I've made some poor decisions. I've made some mistakes in my life, but I'm not any worse than anybody else. And we either ignore it or we downplay it or we pretend that it's not really that big of a deal. We feel like we're okay and we tell ourselves that we're okay. Or maybe we do the thing that I think a lot of us tend to do. When we, when we understand that we're sinful and evil and we're separated from God, we start getting religious. And we try to be a better person. We try to feel like, you know what, if I help old ladies across the street or if I get involved in social justice causes or if I attend church and involved in that way, then that will somehow fix this mess that I'm in. That will resolve the issue. And we try to get religious. And if you were to walk through your school, or even if we took a poll in here, I'm sure that some of us would answer the question, how do you know where you're going to end up when you die? Or where your life is headed? Well, I don't really know. I mean, I try to be a good person. I try to help people. I try to love people. I'm nice to people. And we, that's, that's the angle that we take because we feel like, you know, at the end of the day, if I love people well, if I try to be good enough, if I go to church, if I show up at functions that involve the church, then somehow that will get me the ticket that I need. Now, that above any, any other example is the major way that we try to fix it. We try to get religious. We feel like if we can work hard enough, if we can be good enough, if we can come to church enough, then we can change the course. So we kind of walk through life and we call ourselves Christians. That's what we do. Do you know how many people in America claim that they're Christians? Take a stab. Throw a number at me. 50 billion. <laughs> good guess. What percentage of people do you, f do you think claim to be Christians in America? 80, 90. All right. Depending on what survey you use, and there's kind of different, uh, different surveys that are out, anywhere between 65% and 75% of Americans think that they are Christians. All right, that means between two-thirds and three-fourths of Americans believe that they are Christians and call themselves Christians. Now think about in your school. Do you think that 65 to 75 percent of the people in your school are actually Christians? No. <laughs> How do you really feel? But that's what we say. Because we feel like that's our ticket. That's the answer. Man, I'm a Christian, man. I go to church. I, I was born that way. My family grew up. My dad was a Baptist deacon, and my mom was this. And, you know, I went to a funeral once in a church, and so that gets me in. I mean, we, and we throw all kinds of reasons out. Man, I'm a Christian, and we call ourselves that because we feel like we're good enough. We feel like we're good enough. And in reality, there are people that think that they're on the right road and they are actually headed towards destruction. 
Jesus says the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many people that are on it. And yet in America, it seems like wide is the road that leads to Christianity. So there's some kind of a disconnect here that's going on. Many of us are religious people. We try to be good enough. We try to help people. We try to do all that kind of stuff. The problem is a lot of us are religious people on the road that leads to destruction. And we're crossing our fingers and we hope at the end of our life that we can be good enough and that's going to get us in. See, being religious doesn't change the road that we're on and it doesn't change the destination. The only thing that being religious does is it makes us more surprised when we get there. Because we try to do all these things, feel like the end result is going to be something, when in reality it's something completely different. We can try to be a good person all we want, but we've got to understand that being good enough is going to lead us to the road to destruction. We're not going to like the end result. Now, maybe some of us in the room, we don't necessarily seek out religion, and that's not kind of the angle that we take. So what we actually try to do for some of us in the room is we instead choose to go along with the crowd. All right, we feel like, you know what, if I just kind of go with the flow, if I do what everybody else is doing, that's the easier way. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. It's just an easier path to take. So we feel like maybe that we're going to be happier with our life. We're going to be more successful if we just kind of go along with the crowd. And so that's what we do. If our friends think it's good, we think it's good. We allow the culture that, that's, a, that, that's around us to dictate what we think and how we feel and the decisions that we make. We let the culture dictate what we feel is right and what we feel is wrong. And if the crowd is going in that direction, that's the road that we take too. And that, quite frankly, to a certain extent, I think all of us do that. It's just easier not to rock the boat. It's easier to go with the flow and to go with the crowd. And maybe that's some of, for some of us in the room, that's the angle that we take with our life. And that describes our life to a T. That is the way we live every single day, is we just kind of do what everybody else is doing. And for those of us in the room that are like that, listen to what Jesus says in verse 13. He says again, The road that leads to destruction is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. So we've got to understand what that mindset of going along with the crowd ultimately is going to cost us. We may feel like that may be the easier road to take, and that's going to make us a little bit happier. But it's going to cost us big time. It will cost us our life. And it takes us down a path that leads to destruction. That's the end result. That's what Jesus is saying. So the road may be happier for a time, but the end result leads to destruction. And is that really worth it? I mean, ask yourself that question. Is it really worth playing it safe and taking the easy way out and going with the flow and going with the crowd when it's going to cost you your life? Is it really worth it? Back in, uh, in Nashville, uh, in our student ministry up there, I had, there was a student that, that had been involved for several years. And, um, I mean, had incredible potential to be some really amazing things. Um, 
and just to allow God to grab a hold of his heart and his life. And, I mean, he had unbelievable potential. And I love that kid to death. But about a year and a half or two years ago, he made a conscious decision that it was a whole lot more enjoyable and easier just to kind of do what his friends wanted him to do. I mean, he knew all the answers. He was involved in church for several years. He knew the right path to take. He knew what, where that road ultimately was going to end up. But he just consciously decided, you know what, I'm just going to take this path. Because this is fun, this is pleasurable, this is enjoyable. All of my friends are doing it. This is just the better route to take. And so he just headed in that direction. And he started sleeping with all these girls, and he started going to parties on the weekend and doing all kinds of stuff and getting into drugs. And there were cops showing up at his, at his house all the time, and he was getting arrested. And, I mean, there were just all kinds of things that he was doing. And he thought, before he started in that direction, that this was the route that was going to make him happier. This was the direction that he needed to take with his life. And he thought that it was going to end up in a different destination than ultimately the, way, the place that it took him to. And it cost him everything. It cost him his reputation. It cost him a lot of friends. It cost him trust. It cost him his purity. It cost him his integrity. It cost him a lot of stuff. if he was here tonight, he would tell you that it cost him way more than he thought it would. And I think that describes a lot of us in the room. We like to play the church game. We like to come in here and sing songs and put on a happy face and pretend like we've got our life together. But the reality is many of us are on the road that leads to destruction. And if we took a step back and took a minute to think about it and understood the destination that it was taking us to, maybe we'd have second thoughts about whether it was worth it. See, the thing about that guy in our, youth, in our student ministry back home, the thing about all of us that we need to understand is that the, the broad road that leads to destruction is a choice that you and I make. I mean, it's our decision. We can't pass the blame to anybody else. We're on the hook for it. It's, a, it's, our, it's on us. And you and I, in a lot of ways, choose destruction every single day. We stay in that relationship with that guy, even though we know it's a destructive relationship. We choose to go out and party on the weekends, even though we know that it leads us to make more destructive choices. We sleep with, around with all kinds of different people, even though we've got to understand that it's going to cost us. It leads to destruction. It destroys our future marriage. It destroys our future relationships. It costs us way more than sometimes we think. And Jesus is just trying to give us a reality check tonight and say, look, here's the truth. Here's what we've got to understand. It might be pleasurable for a season. It might be enjoyable for a time. But that road is broad. There are many who are on it, and it leads to destruction. Now, you may say, yeah, but I mean well. I mean, I don't intend to make destructive choices. And you guys know the saying, the road that leads to hell is paved with good intentions. 
Right? It doesn't matter what our intentions are. It doesn't matter what we intend to do with our life or what we intend to do with our friends or what we intend to do 10 years from now or whatever. The only thing that matters are the choices and the decisions that we make every single day. Intent doesn't change anything. It's about the decisions that we make every day. All right, so everybody's pretty encouraged so far, right? Yeah. It's been an uplifting message. We're all bad. We're all evil. We're all headed for destruction. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for the pick-me-up tonight. And if we probably kind of wrap things up tonight, this would be like the worst message ever. Thankfully, Jesus gives us a ray of hope. Look again at what he says in verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. So Jesus says, look, wide is the road that leads to destruction. Everybody is heading in that direction. That's the road that you're on from the moment you're born. All of us are in the same boat. We're heading in that direction. But there's a narrow gate. And it's a gate that if you come through it, it leads to life. Now, what exactly is that narrow gate that Jesus is talking about? Jesus doesn't kind of dive into it in this particular passage, but in John chapter 10, he uses this same analogy about a gate. And here's what he says in verse 6. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus lays it out and he makes those two paths even clearer. Look, there is the wide road that leads to destruction. But there is also this narrow road that leads to life. And if you enter through the narrow gate, it's a difficult road. It's a narrow road. There are few who find it, but the road leads to life. I love at the end of that, he goes, he goes on a little bit and he talks about the thief's purpose. Right? And he says, Satan or the enemy or the thief's purpose is to destroy our life. Right, Satan's purpose for your life is your destruction. Satan wants to completely destroy you. But Jesus says, my desire is that you would have life. And not just a little bit better life, but that you may have abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. Here's the good news for all of us in the room tonight. All right? No matter how far down that road of destruction we may be, no matter how much we have screwed up our life with destructive choices, no matter how much our life seems like it is spiraling out of control, no matter how many things we've tried to do to change it, to try to fix it, to try to turn around and change directions, no matter how, how many times we try to step foot in church or whatever, no matter how far down that road we may be, Jesus says we can get off and enter through the narrow gate. In this room tonight, it's not too late. You haven't burned any bridges that you can't go back. 
Jesus gives all of us hope. Your life may be headed towards destruction. And you may have made a lot of choices to kind of help lead you down, further down that road. But there's a narrow gate. And if you enter through it, if you come to me, I will give you life. I will change your course. I will change your direction. And I will help steer your life the way that it needs to go. I think the reality is true for for a lot of us in the room tonight. Maybe if we were honest enough to admit it, we're headed toward destruction. And we can play all the games that we want to play, but we can't get past the reality that that's the road that we're heading down. And the end result is going to cost us our life. Is it worth it? Now, there's one more thing that Jesus says in this passage that I think we need to understand. Look at verse 14. He says, But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I think sometimes we overlook the fact that following Jesus is difficult. I mean, it is a a tough road to go down. Now, is it worth it? Yeah. Is it incredible? Absolutely. Is it full of purpose and meaning and hope? Absolutely. But is it a difficult road too? Yeah. I mean, Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to take up your cross. You've got to understand that when you follow me, the world's going to hate you because of it. You've got to understand that if you follow me, There's going to be pain and there's going to be suffering. Probably even more so than if you choose not to follow me. But when we understand where the road leads, it makes it worth it in the end. Jesus says, look, it's going to cost you your life when you follow on the road to destruction. Not just your physical life, but your spiritual life. It's going to cost you your life in its entirety. Now, if you follow me, it's going to be difficult. It's a tough road to go down. There's going to be choices you're going to have to make. It's not the easy road. It's not the popular road. And it's going to cost you. You're going to have to be willing to give up things. You're going to have to be willing to sacrifice. It's going to be difficult. But in the end, it leads to an eternity with God. In the end, it really changes everything. So really for all of us tonight, the choice is is up to us. Maybe some of you are sitting here tonight and you're going, man, I don't even know how to even figure out what, what road I'm on. I don't know if I'm on the road to destruction. I don't know if I'm on the road to life. I don't have a clue where the heck I am. I come to church, I try to be good enough. I I feel like all that stuff's going to matter. It's going to be important that that's going to get me where I need to be. Here's the thing I would say to you, if that's you in the room tonight. Look at the cross. Have you tried to be good enough? Have you tried to earn it? 
have you, have you come to the realization that there is nothing that you can do to fix the sin problem that's in your life? And you have looked at Jesus and, off, and received the forgiveness that he offers through the cross. Have you come to a moment in your life where you've realized that Jesus is the only one that can do what you need done in your life? And that's forgive your sins, change the path that you're on, and help get you in the right direction. It is all about the cross. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much our church attendance is or all these good things that we may do, none of that means jack squat. It's all about what we do with Jesus. Have we received the forgiveness that Jesus offers us on the cross? Or have we tried some other method to fix this issue? Because Jesus makes it crystal clear, the only way you're going to fix it is through the narrow gate, and I'm the narrow gate. You want to have life. You want to get off that road that leads to destruction. You want to change the course of your destiny. Then enter through the narrow gate. Come to me. Receive the forgiveness that I offer you through the cross. That is the only way that you can change the course that you're on. Here's the final thing that I would challenge all of us in this room. Don't assume that you're on the narrow road. Don't make assumptions that because you come every week or because, you know, your parents have come to Westridge for the last 10 years or you've done this stuff or whatever, don't make assumptions about that, that you're on the narrow road. I'm not trying to doubt, make anybody doubt their salvation or any of that kind of stuff tonight. But we get into trouble when we just kind of assume that we're okay. It doesn't matter how many mission, trip, mission trips you've gone on, how involved you are every single week. All of us deserve the opportunity to take a step back and go, where am I on? What road am I headed down? Am I headed in the wrong direction? Am I headed towards a path of destruction? Or am I on the narrow road that leads to life? For all of us tonight, the choice is ours. Why does the road that leads to destruction, and there are many who are on it. But narrow is the road that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Tonight, no matter where you are, Jesus is offering you the opportunity to enter through the narrow gate. Let's pray. Tonight with you guys, um, with your head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Maybe you would say, man, tonight I realize that I'm on, the, I'm on the road that leads to destruction. Maybe I've tried to earn it or change my course through other methods. Maybe I've just kind of followed along with the crowd and I've, done, I've taken the easy road. Maybe I've made destructive choices and I have screwed up my life in a lot of ways. And I realize that the road that I'm heading down is leading to destruction. It's going to cost me everything. And tonight, I want to enter through the narrow gate. I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers through the cross. If you would say that me, that's me with no one looking around, if you would just slip your hand up. Just say, man, that's me tonight. 
want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. If that's you tonight, there's no magical prayer you have to pray. There's not this, this perfect sentence that you have to say or any of that kind of stuff. But for you right now in this moment, just spend a minute talking to God. And you can ask Jesus to do for you what you can't do on your own. So just verbalize it right there in your seat. Just take just a minute and say, man, God, I realize that I'm on the broad road. I realize that I'm headed towards destruction. I can't do anything to fix it on my own. I can't be good enough. Jesus, I ask that you forgive my sin. That you allow me to enter through the narrow gate and change the direction that I'm on. Just take just a minute right now and just talk to God about that. God, I thank you for every hand that went up. I thank you for the honesty. God, it takes a lot of guts when there are 300 people in the room to raise your hand and to admit that their life is screwed up. God, I pray right now for every single student that raised their hand and was honest enough to admit, and even for those students that didn't. God, I pray that your spirit would speak to them, God, that you would help all of us to understand that there is nothing we can do to fix it. God, I pray right now for those students that they would call out to you, God, that you would would change the course of their destiny, that you would take them off the wide road that leads to destruction, that you would forgive the sins that you offer because of the cross, and you would set them free. God, I know that there's a lot of hurt in the room. I know that there are a lot of of students and leaders and everybody who we make destructive choices all the time. God, I pray that we would never assume that we're on the narrow road. God, when we give our hearts to you, God, that is that is secure. God, there's nothing that can be taken that, that can take that away from us. But I think sometimes we play the Christian game so long that we've never taken a step back and realized that we've never received you as our Savior. We've never come to a moment where we've asked for the forgiveness of our sins. God, I pray for for those of us in the room that that are on the narrow path. God, I pray that you would give us the, um, God, just the endurance that we need. God, you say that it is a narrow road and it is difficult. Following you is not easy. And God, there are moments where we're frustrated. There are moments where we're tired. There are moments where we're weary and we wonder sometimes maybe even if it's worth it. God, I pray that you would just encourage us. I pray, God, that we would persevere. That we would have the end destination in mind and understand that at the end of the road, it leads to life. And understand, God, that you live in us and you give us the power every single day to live the life that we could never live on our own. So God, help us to live in that power. 
God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.